Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So those who predicted a Warriors walkover not looking too great after game one, in which Toronto really thoroughly outplayed the Warriors. What's your biggest takeaway from the way this played out? Toronto's absolutely excellent defense, I think, was the, was the most important part of the story here. They did an excellent job of doing two different things that sometimes can be done in concert and not necessarily. They were contesting, making a lot of Warriors shots more difficult, but they also were extremely active in passing lanes, narrowing windows down, and forcing a lot of turnovers. So the Warriors ended up shooting 34 of 78 from the field and turning the ball over 16 times. While only six of those were live ball, it still neutralized a lot of what the Warriors did offensively, and that helped create some of the transition opportunities, which Toronto did a wonderful job of maximizing. Yeah, I thought the biggest difference to me was Golden State's finishing at the rim. And yeah, you might say, oh, you know, they had like a 115 offense of rating and Toronto at 125 is more of a defensive loss don't worry we'll get to that but I thought Golden State was actually pretty lucky to put up the numbers that they did Curry 14 free throw attempts a lot of those on kind of bullshit foul drawing maneuvers Draymond Green a lot of those on non-shooting fouls as well sure you see, yeah. think about how that could be different the Warriors were 15 of 26 in the restricted area 26 attempts you know you could you could be fine with that depending on the greater overall context and they got to the yeah. line 31 and, and, times and that got padded late when oh, they were yeah. trying to take away threes too. oh yeah it got padded late and and then one of six in the in floater range and then six of 15 for mid-range and the six of 15 40 percent is fine but it's also a reminder that the Warriors mid-range shooting is significantly more limited without Kevin Durant on the floor this is not the same team where uh, where a lot of the mid-rangers they take are by the best guys at that in the entire NBA yeah and Clay Thompson really did not get going much at all you know there's not really anyone that Clay Thompson can go to uh, to post up against yeah the, and, the Mark Jackson Memorial post up might be retired in this year. I mean, maybe Fred Van Vliet, but yeah, it's, it's going to be limited. But we should also talk about Pascal Siak. I mean, both ends of the floor. Yeah. Uh, 32 points, 14 of 17, five assists, I thought was huge as well when they collapsed on him. And really, I mean, in that start of the third quarter, when Golden State kind of had it cooking offensively, he was scoring over Draymond Green, aided by Draymond's foul trouble. And he also really was fantastic on the fast break. Toronto outscoring Golden State 24 to 17 on fast break points. Toronto's the number one transition team in terms of points per possession in the NBA this year they did not relent at all worrying about getting into a running game with Golden State and I mean there's just probably four or five plays where Pascal Siakam just sprinted as hard as he could down the floor got ahead of guys and either got fouled or set up a nice look for Toronto and I thought defensively he was awesome too that played into another thing I wanted to talk about which a prediction that we made before the series was Golden State wasn't going to finish this crazy 
crazy percentage at the rim it was going to be more difficult Draymond Green was two of nine in this game he coming in he was shooting 70 percent at the rim so was Looney and well Looney ended up four or five it was just they made him make one more pass there was one more rotation Kyle Lowry would come over and force another pass to a non-shooter on the perimeter Kevon Looney did not get any of those Draymond Green four on three alley-oop dunks that were so prevalent against Houston and Portland the Draymond Green going downhill at four on three I don't think they got a single bucket out of that actually and part of that is because Toronto has capable players who can switch that action which you know Portland in particular did not but it was really an impressive defensive performance from Toronto I think you know yeah they fouled a little bit more than was optimal but the Warriors under 50 percent from two they were 35 percent from two in the first half and then when you look at missed layups too that can lead to transition opportunities the turnovers I mean this is a we said it before the series the best defense that Golden State has faced in this era I thought they lived up to that even with the numbers not being that great in game one yeah I I think the most telling stat from all of game one is so cleaning the glass does a version of half court offense that is basically just first shot half court offense yeah and the Warriors were at one point in the first half they had like a 54 offensive rating in those circumstances they ended up at an 84 an 84 offensive rating that's 21st percentile according to that stat Toronto did an absolutely excellent job and then they they did get some points on putbacks they actually had they actually had a 188 offensive rating on putbacks which is pretty pretty impressive but that first shot defense Kevin Durant getting back will help it will, will hurt it sorry will help the Warriors offense will hurt the Toronto defense but a lot of the fundamentals of that having so many intelligent help defenders having so much length those things are going to be there for the rest of the series it's just whether Toronto has enough everywhere else to keep it going and I mean this was pretty much proof of concept like their defense is going to be awesome in this series yeah and we'll see if KD comes back maybe the Warriors can find some other ways to to attack but you know Steph Curry to me played well enough to win 34 points and he did it on 25 shooting possessions but five assists and, and a couple of those came late that's not amazing he had it was interesting that when they tried to go pick and roll at Gasol Gasol actually forced three turnovers on those plays with his quick hands Curry was not able to get the pass out of there quickly enough that's part of why those four and threes just never really developed to begin with not to mention being that effective well and Curry's preferred pass in those circumstances is the pass over the top like you can do that high arcer to Draymond Green we saw that a ton in the Portland series and Marcus Gasol a is longer than the guys who were on that in in the last couple series and b is so incredibly intelligent and has great hands to know where he thinks the ball is going to go and so sometimes it was getting a hand and deflecting it other times it was Curry having to turn down that pass or think about it in a different way and so I do think that the Warriors are going to have to move a player you talked on the NBA cast about shorting the pick and roll I think that's one potential solution here change the angles a little bit because if they don't change the angles those passes still aren't going to be there yeah speaking of changing the angles Toronto you know yeah the fast break was awesome 39 percent from three but we've had seen them have those sorts of games 13 out of 33 they took a lot of threes early uh, and then it, not quite as many late but you know they had this off- awesome performance without getting much from Lowry or Leonard Leonard ended up getting to the foul line quite a bit and hit half of his threes so his, his and he had five assists ultimately so he had a solid night but not a, a dominating one well and I think the the one of the important takeaways from Kawhi Leonard's night was that the Warriors especially in the first quarter sold out really aggressively to make sure that he didn't get going and that created open looks for other guys Danny Green missed a couple of threes early but then he started making them Marcus Gasol made a couple of early threes and that's the the trade-off I mean I've talked many times before about how basketball 
is about decisions. And what the Warriors were deciding early in the game was, we want to stop Kawhi and we're going to concede other things in order to make life harder on him. And generally speaking, Toronto did a pretty good job of capitalizing on those opportunities. Yeah, I I thought that was the case. I mean, Green rediscovering his three was huge. Uh, Fred Van Vliet made some hay driving to the rim, which you didn't expect. I mean, I thought this was Draymond Green's worst defensive game, maybe all playoffs. He just was not effective defending the rim. Here's Here's a Fred Van Vliet stat. Yeah. One of four on threes, four of four on two. Yeah, and then he also got fouled uh, on another one going at Draymond. I mean, he made some very acrobatic finishes, but I, I like the idea of, hey, we're going to attack Draymond Green and go right at him. And Pascal Siakam, especially in that third quarter, wasn't scared. The other thing that I thought Toronto did was when double teams occurred, they threw off the understanding of the Warriors defense trying to zone up behind the play with a lot of nice baseline cut. Siakam had one that he threw back to Ibaka when he uh, off of a pick and roll. Danny Green was doing the Danny Green cut which goes back to the 2013 NBA finals where he was cutting along the baseline to the strong side I think he got a three on that uh, as well there are a couple of plays where Golden State was really flummoxed by that it ended up having to move out of help position to take care of him I think the Raptors passing was really excellent Gasol was good uh, in short roll situations he was another guy 20 points for him and he did it on only 13 shooting possessions he had the touch from three well and I think the most important part for Marcus Gasol though was that we wondered if he was going to be able to stay on the floor defensive and yeah and, he was and clearly he, he was able to do that uh, and now the Warriors may have some more stuff ready for him I thought they got better offensively as the game went on but it was really in the second half they couldn't stop Toronto uh, which was the bigger problem uh I thought it was interesting that Patrick McCaw played more minutes than Norm Powell that was shocking especially considering how big Norm Powell was in the Eastern Conference Finals Patrick McCaw yes playing against his former team first game he's played against them ever and he did hit that one big three which I think pushed the margin from four to seven late in the third quarter incidentally after Alfonso McKinney the other cast off had made a three but yeah I, I thought Norm Powell he makes sense in elements of this series and if the Raptors are going to need a, a an eighth guy I would say Norm Powell makes more sense but the other bench bench contributor that I thought was was interesting more significant in the first half than the second half was DeMarcus Cousins Cousins had not played since his quad injury and I thought physically he looked a little bit better than I expected. He was moving around the floor and in that first half he was providing value offensively by drawing attention, mismatches and like there was a play that Livingston cut for a dunk off of the attention that he was getting and defensively he wasn't playing against the best of the best. Lowry wasn't on the floor at all during those minutes and Kawhi was for part of it but he looked better and also he gives the Warriors another offensive player that Toronto has to respect and something that Toronto did so well in this game was taking advantage of the fact that the Warriors play a lot of really limited offensive players yeah and Iguodala who I mean that his uh his hamstring injury is a cause for major concern in Golden State but he was 0 for 4 from 3 on some good looks now has not made a three-pointer since that crazy 5 of 9 performance in game 6 against Houston another another one of those uh probability defying feats <laughs> against Houston that surely uh will keep them up uh, all summer uh but yeah he hasn't hit a three since then um Quinn Cook I, I thought gave him a, some moments in this first stint but then the second stint it, it didn't look as good for that Warriors second group but especially with Iguodala out I mean it's tough like war, the Warriors now could be in a position you know Jordan Bell I thought was good for them gave him some pretty good minutes they're, they're gonna be a position where some of their best players are actually centers and we used to talk about that being the, the weakness of their yeah, team. Yeah they might they might actually end up going to Jordan Bell at power forward for limited minutes if they have to because uh, yeah I mean that's a, and maybe they're just trying to get more 
more size out there defensively because you know if Iguodala can't go we'll talk more about what what, what that is in a second but I, I think uh if we want to get into some of, well now let's talk well, about no, there's something now, yeah. there's actually something else I want to talk about before yeah. Iguodala because I think it's a clarifying point for the series and this is something I could have pre-written before the series even started is that Sean Livingston is going to have a lot of trouble offensively in this series because Toronto plays so many long guys they get back in transition and so he's going to have tough looks he did finish two for six from the field and got to the free throw line so he ended up with six points but the ones that he got were on broken plays those weren't the shots that he wants to take it's like oh you cut and there's a dunk open there rather than that pull-up jumper which has been such a big part of his arsenal and defensively he had some nice moments but those bench players you know McKinney ended up with some minutes on on Kawhi Leonard that was actually Kawhi Leonard's best offense of this game Jurebko made a couple of corner threes like the the non-centers that the Warriors are going to rely on on their bench unit aren't nearly as good as a lot of the their counterparts for Toronto yeah and I mean the guys who can shoot just have a lot of defensive limitations yep. on that second group so yeah that's definitely a concern and McKinney we saw him go up against Kawhi at the end of that third quarter Kawhi is just too big and strong for him they and you know Draymond being in foul trouble definitely was an issue for Golden State in that third quarter and maybe he could get some time on Kawhi but they really need him as their best help defender and if Siakam is just going to be getting loose like this you know you're not really the thing about Siakam is you're not really going to help on him right unless he's guarded by Curry because their whole defense is geared to stop Kawhi and so on these drives by Siakam there really was not a ton of help and you rightfully assume that Draymond Green is going to be able to stop Siakam and they just they couldn't do that you know and Siakam has had trouble being guarded by centers in the past and they started with Draymond on Marc Gasol they didn't really stick with that maybe that's something they need to look at more and have the center uh, on Siakam but I think he can attack Looney pretty well too uh, or Bell and then Cousins may be you know not quite ready for that matchup so they don't really have that big center the way you know Brooke Lopez or Joel Embiid caused problems for Siakam in previous games and Siakam is really a nice finisher and, and he seemed to have Draymond timed up pretty well as far as not getting a shot block yeah and you you brought up that the Raptors were able to be as effective offensively as they were despite you know Kawhi Leonard not having as impactful a game also I mean Kyle Lowry he they didn't need him to do a lot he had he had some nice assists I mean he kept the ball moving yeah. and the Raptors as a team and, did a great and he job only there. had to play 36 minutes because yeah. Van Vliet was so good exactly and so Raptors 25 assists on 39 made baskets but Lowry two of nine from the field did have those nine assists three turnovers I you know he he was a positive out there but he wasn't as 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 strong of one as I would have expected for the Raptors to play as well offensively as they did and that's important too that they were able to get those contributions and more importantly than make the shots is generate good look which I really think Toronto did so let's talk about some potential adjustments here starting with the possibility that Andre Iguodala may not be available for the next game I think that's a major concern when they showed the replay of the hamstring and they showed him limping to the bench there I had a lot of concern I went back and watched the possession after that he looked like he could move okay but I think real explosive movements jumping trying to stop trying to sprint that's where the hamstring comes in so I don't know that I can take a lot away from the fact that he was able to kind of slide his feet in in a defensive possession you know that's not really a hamstring type of issue you know it's not going to be as bad as like Chris Paul but it could be something to me that keeps him out a week maybe even longer than that especially if it's the regular season and the hamstring it's very very difficult to play through it much like of course the calf that Kevin Durant is dealing with well and and that leads into a point which is that I'm sure there will be people that if Iguodala is limited or unavailable in game two will say oh well that means you have to bring Kevin Durant back you're playing the long game with Kevin Durant 
you need him to be ready so that when he returns and for game two yeah going down 2-0 is 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 rough and the Raptors played they they were fantastic in game one but the risk of re-injury is something that is extremely significant with these kinds of issues and if Kevin Durant re-injures his calf he's done and then the series is not over but pretty close yeah I mean well and maybe you know I could see him being rushed back for game three but he I mean he's not going to be ready for game two as far as we know he hasn't had any kind of scrimmaging any kind of on-court work at all if Iguodala is out I assume McKinney is going to get the start you know Livingston is another one of these guys I mean he played 18 minutes tonight they can't play him more than that Iguodala I mean he's he's even though he's starting he's really limited to 30 minutes and he still got hurt at the end I think you know hamstring injury in the last minute of the game that's that's what happens you know when when you're kind of a little bit older and you're fatigued maybe there's a thought that they could play Cousins more at that time but just how many centers can you play you're gonna play Looney or Bell at the four McKinney trying to guard Kawhi are you gonna then just match up more conventionally maybe you put McKinney on Lowry and and you put Thompson on Kawhi Leonard that he's probably the best matchup but I don't think he's as good as Iguodala was tonight well and Thompson can get into foul trouble as he dealt with early in this game yeah I mean just giving you one more place to attack obviously Iguodala is a fantastic help defender that's McKinney is not that either McKinney might give them a little bit more shooting the ball uh at least but he's not the same kind of passer not the same kind of screener and intelligent roller that Iguodala is so I mean it's a massive loss to if Iguodala even misses game two and they're down 2-0 at that point even if KD comes back for game three the Raptors have got to be favorites in the series uh you know with the Warriors having to win four out of five I mean are they gonna have to play Jacob Evans more are they gonna just have to play Clay at the three and Quinn Cook and Curry together they're I mean none of these options are any good (laughs) right that's very clear and it's also a reminder of kind of why Daryl Morey has spent so much of his you know resources and everything going after these forwards that can shoot because whether it's injuries or ineffectiveness when you don't have those players a lot of things in their system in the in the Warriors system just don't work as well and the Warriors do not have suitable options now even if you know if if Durant was available this would be a different situation but I mean Jarebko I don't think particularly works well in those spots yeah Jacob Evans is is not an NBA finals player for me though he did briefly actually get on the floor (laughs) hopefully not enough where I have to write about him for the athletic but but he was as a defensive sub and as you said you know like the Warriors best remaining players that have more minutes to give play the five and arguably the one yeah and that's a big problem because they don't need more at those two spots yeah and maybe the thought is all right we're gonna play Cousins more and we're just gonna try and outscore these guys because and I thought Cousins actually held up okay defensively he got his hands on a couple of plays in pick and roll I think there's only one play where they beat him to the basket I think it was Van Vliet who got past him uh in pick and roll so I thought he did okay but you know just again he has no playoff experience really he doesn't have experience playing with this group he may get some pretty good numbers but the synergies that this Warriors team is built on you know that's going to be reduced when you play someone like him instead of Looney so I'm not sure that that's a, a panacea for them at all I still would like to see more screening with Gasol's man I thought they did really well when they did that Looney when they ran that head tap action where they get it in the post and have the center screen Curry to the ball uh they got a couple of dunks for Looney with him rolling to the rim off of that so similar type of actions uh, there uh you know I mean it's so funny to think of like oh maybe Jordan Bell should play more but you know because they did pretty well when he was out there but you know again how many minutes can you play uh for uh all of these centers you're really going to be limited at that point maybe maybe the other option is you're going to play Looney at the four and <laughs> you play Draymond at the three and just say all right we're going to 
we're gonna go go Sixer style. Well, yeah, we're just gonna go all defense. I mean, the, if Iguodala is out, I mean, they are just so screwed for what a, a game two that they desperately, desperately need to win. Well, and something else that I think the Warriors can do more of within their system is taking advantage of the expectations that the the Raptors have. They did a really nice job on some fake DHOs, and you can't overuse that. I mean, there are certain circumstances where you know you have diminishing returns there, but getting into those spots where maybe you typically run something for Curry or Clay, and then you do a back cut instead, those type of looks are going to be there because it looks like the Raptors have a really good handle on what the Warriors want to run. So then you do some counterpunch. Kerr saying on Iguodala, I think he's okay. We'll have an update tomorrow. I'm a little more skeptical there. Maybe maybe he'll be able to play uh, if he can. I maybe his minutes are going to be limited for Toronto. You're not going to get the same performance out of Siakam. I think Golden State can just play better on him. A, a lot of what he did was just scoring on Draymond Green, where hey, you got to trust Draymond Draymond Green there and getting back in transition. Golden State's transition defense. Another thing that they haven't really been tested on at all in the last two rounds. Portland and Houston, great offenses, but not transition teams. Toronto really likes to run it down your throat when they can, and Siakam is the big catalyst of that. So certainly Golden State can clean that up. They, Danny Green hit a huge three when they just didn't even know who they were guarding. Sean Livingston, it's actually, despite his reputation as a wily vet, seems to make a, a lot more mistakes uh, in, in terms of fouling or, or miscommunications. Uh, yeah. Something else I, I'd be interested in seeing, and the Warriors shifted to this a little bit the second half, is in, in the early going, they were so focused on making sure Kawhi Leonard did not get going in this game that they were conceding those open looks for Danny Green and Marcus Gasol. Kawhi is a, a brutally efficient player, and especially if Iguodala is limited or unavailable, they don't have a lot of guys to go after him. But if that's just what Toronto's, if that's what Toronto's offense is, especially if they can send more help from around the basket as opposed to like giving up open corner threes, then maybe you're you're con- you're conceding more to Kawhi, but maybe you're giving up harder, you're conceding harder shots to everybody else who can't create them nearly as well as can. So it's at least worth considering. Yeah, and Siakam hit like some impossible floaters as well, a couple of jumpers, two of three, three both of them are above the break. So I don't expect Toronto to put up you know over a 120 offensive rating next game again. But but they might not need yeah. you to win considering how well they played defensively overall. Though it, though the Warriors stuff yeah, did get padded I, a little bit by free throws and late scoring. Right. I mean, if, if I had to guess, I would guess that Golden State's going to put up a worse offensive rating the next game. Absolutely. As well, and yeah, you know what? I, I I think you might have a point. Maybe they need to not worry as much about Kawhi. At least make him prove that he can get going and kill them. Um, but you know, of course, if he's being guarded by Alfonso McKinney, you don't need to prove that he's going to kill Alfonso. McKinney. He's a, he's already proven that. And he didn't need to anyway. But yeah, that that's a good point. And then making more of a focus. And also the Warriors, like they grabbed a bunch of offensive rebounds. They ended up with nine in the game. But it seemed to me like a lot of those were not making a concerted effort on the offensive glass. It was more the ball bouncing to a player at the right place, at the right time. And so there are two different components to that. One is those might not bounce to the same guys at the same point moving forward. The second part is if those become defensive rebounds, the Warriors need to be better at getting back. And I don't think that they have such great offensive rebounding personnel that they need to get caught with more than one guy near the basket on like a missed three. Like there was that one play when Stephen Curry bricked a three. That was the Danny Green one. Danny Green got the three-pointer because there were two Warriors way back on the play, but neither one of them was close to the offensive rebound. I think that's all I got. You know, there's not a ton here. I think there's, well, there, there's they, one other they, thing that yeah. I want to kind of go big picture here. You and I both picked Golden State to win this series. And I think both of us expected the Raptors to win game one. I definitely. And part of that is personnel. Kevin Durant, we knew he was going to be unavailable. We had, we didn't know for sure on DeMarcus Cousins. But what Toronto did beyond actually winning the game, which is extremely important, 
is they they made a lot of the things that I thought could be true, and they said, at least for this game, but probably moving forward, they are. They defended really well, they made the Warriors work harder for the shots they got, and get worse shots. Those things are going to continue. If Toronto cleans up some of it, like the fouls that led to Stephen Curry getting to the free throw line 14 times, and a few of the like kind of broken play mishaps, losing, like, losing Curry on an offensive rebound, those sorts of things, and considering how well they're doing, I think those can be improved, then there's a lot, a lot of room, even for Toronto to grow as great as they were in this game. So that bodes incredibly well for them the rest of the series. The question is going to be, can the Warriors improve their personnel and improve their play enough to get up to where Toronto was in game one? Yeah, and while we focus on Toronto's defense, clearly the low-hanging fruit is for Golden State on the defensive end. Yes. But, and I'm not sure that there are major adjustments there. Not fouling early. I mean, that's not really an adjustment, you know, but I think a lot of it is just individual players being better, being tighter, better communication better transition defense it's not like oh man what are we going to do about pascal siakam who are we going to put on him yeah i don't think that like overreacting to what he did in this game in the half court is what you do they just got to be better in full court situations and they got to communicate better and and have fewer mistakes and pray to god that andre guadal is healthy (laughs) yeah and (laughs) at some point kevin Durant is. yeah yeah i mean that that's uh even if kd comes back you have to imagine it'll take him a little bit to get up to speed down to zero that is a major 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 concern and it certainly looked in this game like and we've seen golden state look like this before right i mean for most of game six against houston you're like how the hell are they in this game they have no business winning this and then they came back at the end so to have this idea of creeping determinism which so often you do that in favor of the warriors like oh they were always going to win and you forget how hard it was for them going through it it certainly never felt like golden state was going to win in this game no like even when it got down to four points a couple of times the raptors were still the better team and and the Raptors played better starters versus starters. So it wasn't this idea of, oh, once the Warriors bring in the Hamptons five or whatever, that they're going to get back into it. No, I mean, Toronto outplayed them in those minutes. Yeah, and maybe we'll see if it's, especially if you go through the first half of game two and Toronto's ahead, you know, maybe you just have to play Cousins more just because even noting that maybe he has a lower median outcome than someone like Looney, that maybe you just need a big performance from him and that's the only way you're going to get it done. Yeah, David's strategies for the Golden State Warriors would definitely be different but it could be warranted yeah i mean especially if iguodala is out anything else to say here well if you hopefully many of you and thank you for those who did watch the nba cast watch the game with us that was a lot of fun for this game one the first game one of the nba finals we've been able to do and we will be back of course for game two which will be sunday evening pretty much evening wherever you are if you're in north america because of how late these finals games start and we'll be back doing live commentary and then we will have a dunked on after that game yeah and please uh tell your friends about this here pod and the nba cast and everything else whether it's uh by twitter or during actual in-person interactions whatever it is uh, we always appreciate the recommendations uh we'll talk to y'all on sunday night till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.